Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. We started off talking about the kingdom paradigm. The king, what's a paradigm? It's a set of ideas and beliefs that form mental boundaries, whether you like it or not. We all have mental boundaries that your thought processes have a difficult time breaking up through. But these mental boundaries govern our reasoning processes, how we interpret and act. So that's the paradigm that you live under. And the world has a paradigm, and so does the kingdom. So we're in this place where those, specifically in the church, where those two paradigms meet. Because we're pulling people out of the world and, and discipling and raising them up into the kingdom. So it's a place of transitioning paradigms. So some of you have already made that transition. Some of you are in the midst of that process. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy, but that's okay. Um, we started off talking about the, what is a paradigm, the church, you know, that it's a choice that you have to make to choose a different thought process because we've all, we were all, you know, culturally indoctrinated into this world paradigm. So we have to make a choice to see the world through the Bible's lens, not the world's lens, because when you walk in the spirit, things of the spirit make sense. But when you walk in the flesh, things of the spirit are nonsense. They don't make sense. That's, that's what scripture says. So we need to make sure that we make that choice. Um, we also talked about leadership and what that looks like in the kingdom paradigm versus the world. Um, and then we moved into marriage couple weeks ago and I don't know if you guys remember we had that uh, video it's not about the nail pastor was trying to let me get me to play that one again but no I think so we're tonight we're going to talk a lot about communication I mean there's a few things that we're going to cover I think we're going to work into communication but in marriage communication can be difficult because I communicate differently than she does. It's the most difficult. And it, it is a make or break situation <laughs> in, a, in a relationship. Can you communicate? And, but in the kingdom, there's a way to communicate and there's resources that you don't have when you're in the world. We have a whole new tool set. And we also have a new definition of our roles in the marriage, in the relationship. The kingdom gives us the Holy Spirit, gives us wisdom, guidance, direction. All those things in the kingdom are different than what you're going to receive in the world. Um, so it's a whole new tool set. But communication is definitely a big one. We're going to talk about communication tonight. We're going to talk about financial issues, uh, selfish behaviors. We're going to talk about unrealistic expectations. Um, Boundaries, not boundaries, personal boundaries, but boundaries you should set around your marriage. Because there's a difference in itself. When you talk to the world about boundaries in marriage, they're going to think, well, 
you have to protect yourself. There, there are boundaries that you place that it's okay for you to have as an individual. There's a lot of individualization in a marriage in the world. But in the kingdom, it's a one flesh union. Those boundaries, she is now a part of me. I am now a part of her. So those boundaries, they don't actually exist in the kingdom. Our boundaries are around our marriage to keep us protected, keep us healthy, keep us one union, one flesh, so that we can excel in the kingdom. Um, Philippians, or was it? No, it's in First uh, Peter. First Peter, three. I don't have free. I don't have that one. I know. It says that. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor and follow and fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will be not hindered. So that my relationship with her, the way I honor her, our union directly affects how the Lord interprets or receives my prayers, my communication with him. So that in itself is a reason for me to protect this union so that I can stay in communion with the Father. Because if there's a breakdown of honor here, if there's a breakdown of caring or understanding, then that's, that's directly out of, you know, like I said, 1 Peter 3, you know, that, that directly hinders my communion with the Father. So there's, there's just one one reason why we need to focus on those boundaries. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Yes. We're going to talk about a few other things, but yeah. let's start with this video. Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll start with it. All right. Yes. I'm like, I don't communicate. That's the word communication. You have to learn how your spouse communicates. That takes time. Men and women communicate differently. It took me two years of marriage to figure why out why okay. Mute the effects. Yeah. Take Brother, the, mute the effects. Stop, stop the video. Stop the video. We're going to restart it without effects and with the volume up louder, please. I muted them for you. Go ahead, play. And with the volume up, please, brother. To learn how to communicate, that's the word, communication. You have to learn how your spouse communicates. That takes time. Men and women communicate differently. It took me two years of marriage to figure out my wife will never tell me to do anything around our home. If Tammy wants me to do something, she'll ask me a question. It's from the question that I gotta stand there and figure out what it is she wants me to do. <laughs> Simple example, say I leave a pair of my underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor, which frosts my wife. That's her word when she's angry. That just frosts me, Jeffrey. <laughs> if I'm not frosting, I'm driving her up a wall. That's another one. Kids would come in, where's mom? She's up the wall with frostbite, that's all I know. <laughs> you won't believe what put her there, man. It was that pair of underwear in the middle of the bedroom. You're looking at the most powerful piece of cotton I'm planning on. <laughs> so I leave my underwear in the middle of the room. Would she come to me and say to me, pick those up? That's three words. Hey, pick those up. Three words! Would she say it? No, because that would be simple, direct, and right to the point. And at that moment, we would be communicating at the highest human level. The way God the Creator intended it, through language. 
She looks at me, looks at my underwear, and then asks, are those yours? <laughs> I sure hope they are, otherwise I got a few questions of my own. <laughs> what do you want? Well, nope, we're good. good. That should be it. <laughs> All right. She was almost finished. Oh, oh, I thought it was going to cut it for. Yeah. So, yeah, communication. There we go. We communicate right. differently. If you guys don't know who, that's Jeff Allen. He's a Christian comedian. He's hilarious. And if you ever need some laughter in your life, um, dry bar comedy on YouTube. It's all clean comedy. Every single, and they have a lot of Christian um, comedians. So, just just so you have that bit of information, because it's good. You want to bring the lights up just a smidgen so people can take notes if, if need be. All right. Back to communication. Back to communication. Back to marriage. So yeah. um, our last section on marriage, we talked about um, scripture in general is a blueprint for our own character. And all those traits that you read about in scripture that, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, put others before you, all these, there's like... Uh, there's just so much of it is written about your own character, your own identity. All those things need to be included into your marriage. It's not the scriptures that talk about husbands and wives. Those are the only things that you pr bring into your marriage. That's not the only thing you bring into your marriage. You bring into your character. You bring into your identity into that marriage. So you have to remember to treat your wife in that way. You have to remember to treat your husband in that way, just as you would treat your brother, just as you would treat, you know, just as your character is dictated in scripture, like who you are and what you're called into. So marriage isn't just, the scriptures about marriage isn't just the husband and wife scriptures. It's all scriptures plus the husband and wife scriptures. Like that's just part of it. That's like the little bit extra, okay? So we need to remember that. And we talked about even being evenly yoked. You know, none of this really works if you don't, if you're not on the same level of faith. If you're not seeking after the kingdom with the same desire. And what he means by none of this really works is that what we're teaching is geared towards. Well, the kingdom paradigm yoked. is equally yoked because there. Are, I mean, there are a few scriptures that talk about what happens if you're in a marriage that's unequally yoked. And most of them are, you keep doing you in the kingdom. You keep following the Lord in his direction for yourself and let them come alongside you if they choose. So if you're, if you're in a marriage that's unequally yoked, you don't get to try to direct and push and prod and force. Which is that's what not what scripture says. It says you don't know whether or not they're going to come, you just focus on you, you focus on growing in the kingdom because you don't know how they're going to react to that. You, they might be justified because of you. And I think that's... Um, yeah, find that scripture because... First Corinthians 7, 7 but it Thank also you, says it in First Peter 3. It says that um, it speaks specifically about wives, but I believe this is... Uh, the case in both in both situations it says even if some do not obey the word they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives 
So even if your husband doesn't know the word or live by the word, they can be won over by your conduct in the word, just like your wife can be won over by your conduct. So that's those two, two places in 1 Peter and in 1 Corinthians, those, those places are really the only places that talk about unequally yoked marriages, but they also say, you know, don't, don't divorce them. Don't break your marriage off because that's a covenant. You're liable for that covenant. And God is very good about his covenants. He takes them very seriously. So we need to honor that too. Um, but other than that, this, the rest of this is all um, equally yoked marriages. Yes. No, it's, you're good. I love that scripture. That's another, a really good counseling scripture. If you have people, I mean, we all have those people that we know that have married somebody that maybe they're a baby Christian and they've been walking in the Lord for a long time and now they're spiritually unequally yoked. And then you've got the wife or the husband trying to draw up the spouse that's not on fire for God because they're on fire for God. And there's a lot of disconnection that happens in that. Um, so that scripture is really good that, um, to just to help with that counseling. Um, because again, in the world, women like to fix men. And sometimes if you haven't made that transformation, you do the same thing when you're in the kingdom. You marry somebody and you want to try to fix them, but that's not how it works. So, right. so we, yeah, we covered that. Um, yes. What else did we cover last time? Being, well, the, the whole thing is about being transformed by the renewing of your mind and going from your old man to your new man and what that looks like in the marriage that when we, in an hour. Um, with what Holy yeah. Spirit's given us to highlight. <laughs> we could spend weeks on this, weeks and weeks, but we're just going to touch on a few things. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, so it's just kind of a, uh, just a general run through. All right. So um, a couple of things. We, I really felt like the Lord said he wants more of what does love look like? What does love act, walk, and talk like? Um, because... Men. Because scripture calls us men to love our wives like Christ loved the church. And what is love? So let's pull up what is love. First Corinthians, we all know it. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 13. Four, love suffers long. That's the first part. <laughs> so, love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. What does NLT say? Or N it's, NIV? It's NIV. I love NIV on this one. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not self-seeking. Yeah, okay. Normally I'm not a big fan of NIV, but I really love the translation in, in this one. It is not seek his own, is not self-seeking, is not provoked, and love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth and bears all things, bears all things, this is men who are called to love their wives. So these are the things that we are supposed to do for our wives because this is the definition of love. 
okay? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There is endurance, there is bearing, there is long-suffering. Pastor Tom said that's when why it's long-suffering. When, when I told, when we first started this, I, or I, I said, man, this is going to be tough for us because there's a lot that we have to change because we're called to love like the Christ loved the church. He sacrificed and died for the church even though the church didn't know him or wasn't worthy of his sacrifice or wasn't seeking him. You know, he died for us even when we weren't seeking him. So that's what we're called to do for our wives. So there's, there's, it, it's, uh, it takes a lot. I'm not trying to scare you away, but I'm just trying to sh share you some of the revelations that I've received over, by the way, we've been married 13 years. 14 in, Ju in July. In case you're wondering, we didn't and really tell you guys. And together, almost 17 years. We didn't tell you guys. I'm 42. She's 30. 39. I turned 40 in June. So yeah. we have a few years together, and we've learned a lot. And I feel like it's been Holy Spirit-led from, from almost from day one of my salvation. Because my marriage is what drove me to salvation. It did, literally. Like, I had, I oh, yeah. had, I had to I, make a choice. Do I live in this what at the time I was literally calling hell? Or do I find a way to fix this? Or how do, how do I, what do I do? And I, and I called the only person I could think to call, my mother-in-law. And she said, you haven't tried Jesus. And from that moment... It has been one revelation after another, after another, after another. So this is, this is tried and true in our life. What we've shared with you guys has been revealed to us because we've lived through it. And we're still living through some of it. So, In that scripture that he just said too, and about the being unequally spiritually yoked, you know, that was, that was us for a, quite a while. But from him seeking after Jesus himself. He wasn't trying to change me. He wasn't forcing me. He wasn't asking anything of me. Just by him seeking after Jesus, I started seeking after Jesus. So he didn't, he didn't do anything. In fact, I think had you done something, I would have just resisted. Um, and most people will. So just by him doing him with the Lord, I wanted that. And the, well, that the was one of the first revelations was yeah. I, it's not my job. It is the father's job to draw her to him. He draws us to him, right, through, through his son. That's his job. My job is to, is to commune with him, to continue to grow in relationship and understanding and identity. That's, that's my job, not, not for me to try to bring her with me. I want for her to come with me. I pray for her to come with me. I desire for her to come with me, but I focus on me and him. Like that's, that's where my work is. That's what, that was one of the first revelations I had. Um, well, and in that, my husband is my greatest teacher, my greatest mentor, my greatest, and I'm talking human-wise, my greatest revelation revealer, I mean, this is apart from Holy Spirit and Father God and Jesus, but 
my husband has become my, yeah, my, my spiritual partner, but also provoker. Um, he provokes me to want to dive in deeper and deeper and deeper into the Lord. He provokes me to want to grow in love and honor of my brethren. Um, he provokes me to want to be a better servant. He provokes me in all of those ways. And it's been a long road in coming. It didn't start off that way at all. But in him seeking after the Lord and in us being transformed from our old man's to our new man's into this marriage, now I have what I believe is what I think husbands are supposed to be represented as. They are supposed to be a godly man that makes me, his wife, want to seek after the Lord more want to yield to him more, want to surrender to him more, want to be more thirsty and hungry for righteousness and holiness and pureness, and wants to do everything that I can to make sure that my life is not living as my own, but my life is lived unto the Lord. And you have done that for me. You are that person for me. And I desire that for every marriage in this house and every marriage that comes in here, because that is how it should be. We should be provoking each other into that. Into better and more renewal. Yeah. So one of the first things that happened in our transformation from the old man to the new man, one of the, well, I told you the first revelation I had. This, one of the second revelations I had was with the gifts of the Spirit in your marriage. Because early on, I, I was like, when I found the scriptures about the second baptism and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I was like, are you kidding me? There's more? I thought it was just like, you're baptized in water and that's it. And I start digging into the word and it's like, no, there's more. You, you can get baptized. There's a second baptism. So I take it to my pastor and I'm at a CMA church. This is in Alaska. This is not here. Christian Missionary Alliance Church. And they're like the don't ask, don't tell church, but I don't know that. I, this is the first time I ever heard of this. And I would take it to my pastor. I'm like, hey, when are we going to talk about this second baptism? You know, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm telling him these scriptures. And he's like, he's a pastor. Like he went to school for this stuff. Obviously he's read these scriptures before, but I'm acting like this is the first time I ever heard it. Well, he's like, oh, we don't really talk about that. And then walks off. Like he didn't even want to have a conversation about it. But my desire was like, I know it's in the word. I know it's there. I want it. I'm seeking it. I'm asking for it. And I believe I, I received it because from that, I started receiving this revelation, right? The first one was what I just shared with you guys. The second one was now I have discernment. Now I know, and this is one of the things that really hurts a marriage. I have several things listed here. Communication, jealousy, lack of attention, financial issues, trust, selfish behavior, anger issues, lying, unrealistic expectations. So this is a, those are bullet points. This one is for lying and truth or trust because I had this discernment now that when, she, when Alicia would lie to me, I knew she was lying to me. I, could, I can discern that in the spirit. Now I had to make a decision. Do I take that discernment and do I call her on it? Is that gonna benefit us? If I call her out on that, is that gonna be beneficial? 
So I had to make that decision. It, what, what is, how is this discernment really helping me? Well, when I decided no, it's not going to be encouraging. It's not going to be edifying. It's not going to raise her up any because that's not my job. I'm not here to fix her. I'm here to love her, right? And what did we say love was? Long-suffering. It does not seek its own, which is if you're trying to justify or call someone out on their lie, you're trying to justify the truth. You're trying, so it's not provoking. There's all these different things. So, so me calling out this discernment using this gift is something I had to learn how to deal with, knowing that I can't really call it out. But the, it would get revealed. And once it was revealed... My dis- my, now I know that my discernment was right, and now my faith is strengthened by that. So my faith continually grows because I'm receiving Holy Spirit discernment, and it's being revealed that it's true, and my faith continues to grow. But it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't called to call her out on those things. Does that make sense? And part of that transformation of old man to new man, I, I was... I lied so much to Daniel, so much, and not just to him. I lied a lot in general, just to save face. You know, it was if I if I lie about this, it actually makes the situation better. And so, if you wonder why we are so transparent and vulnerable, because that's part of my personal transformation. That was like one of the first things that the Lord took out. I am I am honest always, 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 always. I have not lied in over eight years. Um, and I like, and I love that I can say that. So, um, if the dress looks bad on you and you ask me how it looks, I'm going to tell you it looks bad. I'm not going to say in face a loving for anything. way, in a very loving way, of course, <laughs> like, honey, you don't want to wear that. So, um, no, I am, I am honest about anything and everything. And I've learned if I don't feel like I can be honest in this situation, I just don't say anything. Well, like um, we saw in the, in the clip earlier, she'll look at me and says, are you going to wear that? I, I am She's that wife. A question, like I'm supposed but hey, to discern. I was oh. a hair and makeup artist for ten years, and fashion and all that was my business. And he walks out of the room sometimes, and I'm like, no, no. And every day that he walks out of the house that I haven't touched him, somebody will come up and be like his hair, he's got a tweaker here, he's got this, or did you see that? And I'm like, see, that's why I have to dress you. <laughs> because it makes me look bad. <laughs> I need a helper. Right. He made me a helper. So sometimes we, we can't act on the knowledge that we have because it's not, it's not encouraging, it's not edifying, it's not loving, it's not... So those are some of the things that we have to bear. And what was going on in me is that the Lord was convicting me. So let the Lord convict him. The Lord does all the work. Does all the work. So part of our transformation of old man to new man in that line um, was that was one of the things that the Lord just removed. The Lord just completely and utterly removed that. Um, And that wasn't something that we had to struggle with. There wasn't a whole lot of transformation in that. It was just, I was just open and honest about everything. Everything was transparent. Yeah. So that was a blessing. It created. I tried to. What I tried to do is create an environment that was, that was nur- that was nurturing that desire to tell the truth. Because right? you weren't accusatory. So when the truth would come out, I wouldn't be like, "See, I told you so." Yep. 
I would just say, well, I love you through this, right? Yeah. I, that's how I would feel. It's like, I'm just going to love her through this. I don't have to point this out. Yeah, it was so good. Okay. Right. Next on our list of awesome topics. Oh, well, so and a, par a part of what goes into that is because him and I were talking about in the world, it's about what can I do to change him? So what do I need to do? What do I need to implement? What do I need to create so that he will change into the person I want him to conform to? And um, in the kingdom, it's not what do I do about him? It's what do I do about me? Right. It is that posture of surrender and yielding to the Lord going, I need you to change me so that I can submit better to my husband, so that I can yield better to him. And the scripture that we have, so Matthew, actually 1 Corinthians 13, love, yes, love does not seek its own, but also Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Um, it's just, I, okay, I, thank you, Jesus, for the Beatitudes. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that log out of your eye while there's still a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, yeah, it is all about submitting yourself and letting the Lord transform you so that you can be who you need to be for your spouse where they're at at that time. So what does that look like practically? There will be times when I'm... When I, she, she does something that triggers me or upsets me, and I'm just like, at first, you know, I would have been like, you should have done this, you should have done that. But now in the kingdom, it's like, Lord, how do I, if I can't say something now in love or that's encouraging or that's, I have to, I have to just, I have to submit that to the Lord. I have to say like, Lord, change me, change my heart so that we can, I can communicate this in a way that's going to encourage her or that's going to love her. Because if I can't do that, then I'm, I'm falling into the enemy's trap, plain and simple. And we know in Ephesians 4, he says, don't give the enemy a foothold. So that's, that's, a, that's a trap of the enemies for me to react in that instance instead of me acting like making a conscious decision if I if I react to this is it going to be encouraging is this going to nurture our relationship or is this going to drive this deeper and harder because part of his old man was the reactionary and it was unhealthy reaction and a part of my old man was the I was very 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 wounded from years of abusive relationships so every time he would react voices elevate um, then you Let's all just keep it simple for now. Um, my immediate response to that is daggers to the heart. 
I, I feel like I'm going to be accused. I feel like he's angry with me. He's, he's got malice against me. There's fault finding. There's blame. So as soon as that ends up happening, I feel all of that, which is a familiar spirit that's been coming at me for years. I know that spirit. I know those feelings. So the enemy comes and says, Daniel's all of those things at me, which means I don't feel safe anymore which means we are now disconnected and we can no longer communicate going forward because he's angry and I'm hurt and wounded, not by him, but from my past trauma that has now just resurfaced. He didn't even have to do anything. All he had to do was react and my trauma comes up and with the familiar spirit and all of that happens. So what we've had to do, so his transformation was that. He had to yield and submit to the Lord do that inner work. Well, and then there was a way I learned how to communicate in those moments. Part of this was because initially men, we work in around other men where, you know, and in the world, men are tough and they speak gruffly with each other and they, you know, they, they jest in, you know, sarcastic ways. And there's like, there's very, this, this weird dynamic in the world between men that if, if you heard it just out of context, it would sound like they hate each other sometimes, but they're really just talking it out or playing around with each other. Like that's how the world in the workplace kind of works is you're, you're kind of mean to each other, but you don't mean anything by it. Um, at least that was the construction industry. That's the oil field. That's the airport. All the you know the just transportation in ind- industry. Like those are the industries and the experience that I've had. So it's a broad spectrum, and in those industries, you know that's kind of a common thread in men's inter- interactions with each other. So when you come home, you still kind of have this rough tone, or this way that you communicate, and now you're coming against this woman who communicates differently. And she reacts to that sharpness, and that's what it was with me. It was a sharpness in my tone. And when I came up against a, a frustration or a problem, that sharpness would come out, and she would take it like, I'm attacking her. And then she would loop back and be defensive against me when really I'm just trying to explain what I'm struggling with. So, so as we're transforming and as we're understanding how to communicate with each other, I have to start explaining to her in the middle of the process, I'm not blaming you. I have to, you have to, I have to say these words. I'm not blaming you. I'm just trying to explain what I'm dealing with internally. But it took a long time. It took several years to be able to, to, be able to say those simple words. So it was huge. It's not that I'm angry with her. I'm, I'm processing the situation. And that, that feeling is coming out in those words. But I have to be specific. This is not intended for you. And that way, I could remind her in the midst of it that I'm not attacking her. And I had to submit my past trauma to the Lord and trust that my husband was for me and not against me because the enemy comes up and says he's against you. Um, So I had to 
be courageous and vulnerable and allow myself to believe that my husband was for me and not against me in those moments, um, which was a real transforming and renewing of my mind. That was a lot of undoing and renewing. And so, and this takes a little bit of time. Like each time this would happen, as we are surrendering and yielding and being transformed by the Lord, each time this happened, it was less and less and less volatile. There, we became, we began to understand each other more and more. We were able to vocalize each other. What he was able to vocalize what he was feeling more. I was able to understand on a greater level. Wait a minute, this is my husband of 14 years. This man is not against me. This man is for me. And understand what that past trauma, what those past behaviors, and what the old man um, has been used to and wants to have you react. And for everybody, this looks different. For everybody, you know, for you, for some people, it's the complete opposite. They just shut down. They just, they completely shut down and there's no communication and that's just as damaging. So whatever your reaction is or non-reaction, whatever that is, this is just a practical way of how to walk through that. Um, And to be quick to want to work through this. When those disconnections happen, if we allow the disconnection to fester, it's harder to reconnect and the enemy gets in there, it gives way to the enemy and then it ends up getting wider and wider and wider. And as time goes by, those discs, also what happens, which again, we only have an hour and there's so much psychology on this, but when you have that disconnection that happens, there's a belief system that starts to take place in your brain about that disconnection. And then all of a sudden, that belief system rules your reality so that every single time this issue comes up, you've already mapped out a belief system of what's going down and how to react. And that's very much what's in the world. So as, as, as people sons and daughters of the most high God in the kingdom, we have to be quick to submit, submit those, those damaging thinking patterns so that we can make sure that we connect again as quickly as possible, which of course comes from forgiveness as well. It's super, I mean, forgiveness Forgiveness in, in, in all relationships, but especially marriage, especially marriage, you have got to be quick to forgive your spouse. And that's what I love about the NIV version um, about with First uh, Corinthians 13 is that it says, love does not keep a record of wrongs. I hate that it's so common and it's 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 a I hate that in the world it's so common that women hold on to every wrong that their husbands have done and that they just they just they just keep it in a backpack on their back. And so every time he does something wrong, it's like, yeah, do you remember when you did that then? And then, and then, and then, and then. But love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So when Daniel and I have these moments, I don't hold them against him and I don't expect them to happen again. And I don't let it, I don't let it defile 
who he is in Christ. I don't let that behavior dictate in my mind who he is. That was an incident, that was a behavior, and we all have those. And I think that sometimes the water gets murky. With behaviors, you think that it defines the person, but it's just, it's just a moment. We're all human, we all have our weaknesses, we all have our moments, but it's very important to not let that cloud who you think your spouse is. Right, and there was a scripture that we had to go along with that about keeping record. It was about seeing people not in the flesh, but as the new creation. Yeah, that's somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think it's Matthew 5. Let's see. No, it wasn't Matthew. It was in uh, 2 Corinthians, maybe? 9, 8? I don't know. I don't know. I I didn't write it down, babe. I'm sorry. I did not write that one down. We'll find it if it's, if it's meant to be, but let's move on. So, yeah, that's just, yeah, I didn't write it down. That's really weird. Are you sure it's not? Yes. All right. Anyways, the scripture says that uh, we used to see Christ in the flesh, but now we no, we no longer oh. see him that way, and we need to see others the same way, not in the flesh. So if you don't see them in the flesh, how do you see them? In the spirit. There's only two options. You can only see them in the flesh or you can see them in the spirit. So if you're, if you're seeing them in the spirit, then you're seeing them in their true identity. You're seeing them as the Father sees them. You're seeing them in their true potential, in their eternal potential, in their eternal identity. So if you're, but if you're seeing them in the flesh, then you're seeing them in their past. You're seeing them in this, what, this culmination of the mistakes they've made. That's the flesh, right? And if we're called to see them not in the flesh, but in the spirit, then we can't hold on to those hurts that they may have, we may have received. We can't hold on to the anger that we might have towards them because we can't see them in that flesh. So every day, and that's something that Brenton preaches about all the time. You're a new creation. Every day, you're a new creation. You have to let that old man go every day. You have to make that choice. We have to make that choice to see people as a new creation every day as well. We cannot see them in the flesh. So this is, this is what makes this whole anger, anger issues, scorekeeping, um, this, whole, this whole part of marriage, this makes it a little tricky because if I'm walking in the flesh, that's the only way she can see me because I'm not walking in the spirit. And we're called to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. He got the scripture for us. It is 2 Corinthians. You're super awesome, brother, thank you. Oh, it was on the piece of paper that I tore out. That's a conversation (laughs) we'll have later. You wanna talk about getting ready for teaching for marriage? Oh, it's been fun in our house the last (laughs) week. It's been lots of fun, yes. Practice what you yes, preach. We get to practice what you preach. That's right. <laughs> Always on a new level. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So in that, where was I? Anger issues, keeping score. Oh, if I'm walking in the flesh, then she has no other way to see me. She has to see me in the flesh because I am not walking in the spirit. She can't see me in the spirit. So I'm not doing my part. So if I'm, but if I'm walking in the spirit, then she can now not see me in the flesh. Does that make sense? So, so it's, it's a two-part process in that 
scorekeeping, anger issues, how do we work through this together? How does she see me as a new, as a new creation? I have to do my part. She has to do her part by trying to see me as a new creation, by not holding uh, accounts, but I also have to do my part by keeping my step in the spirit. Do you have something, Bill? Can you bring him that microphone? We gotta get, hold on, let's get you a microphone. As you and Alicia were talking about it, it brought to mind one John, It brought to mind 1 John 4. Oh, yeah, I always do that. 1 John 4 on denying the incarnation. It just so, it just so happens. I'll keep it here. Pastor Tom has told me many times. Right here, right here, right here. <laughs> um, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So that's what came to mind as I saw you and Alicia talking about marriage and spirit and flesh. That's all I wanted to say. Amen. Yeah, that's a beautiful scripture. It literally is the formula of how we are to test the spirits, um, discerning of the spirits and how to test, like when you're receiving prophecy, when, anyway, yeah. So if you're desiring to not have your spouse hold, hold your record and, not, and for them to see you in the spirit, not in the flesh, but as a new creation, you have to stay walking in the spirit. So and that's so, on you. Yeah, and so just to, I think, Bill, what you were, maybe what the Holy Spirit was saying is that, so discerning of the spirits, spirits of the enemy, spirits of God. So um, if your husband is walking in the flesh, his behavior is not going to look anything like the Bible. So you can pretty much guarantee you that he's not walking in the spirit of God. But if... Um, but yeah. at that point, you're falling back into that unequally yoked union, right? So now we're pulling away from this where, where we have all these amazing tools and all this amazing wisdom and all this great, you know, all this great knowledge and direction from the word. Once you step out into the flesh, now you're back into that unequally yoked situation and things change drastically. But so that's why it's important for us, I'm just speaking for men as husbands, that we continue walking in the spirit because without that, everything falls apart. And I have to say that the Lord's, the Lord's so beautiful and faithful on that, that if, if you have, because we have those moments, um, I, I, but I'll, well, we, and say, we're going to get to a point where we don't, but um, when you have a moment with your spouse where that is taking place, if you can stay tethered to the Father and to Holy Spirit and not step into the flesh yourself, there is the most delicious shower of grace that just covers you and encompasses every part of you. And you don't get upset. You don't get angry. You feel like you have all the patience in the world. And you just start to intercede over your spouse. And you just, okay, Lord, let, let, this, let this episode, let it be super quick, you know? And you just go about your business. And 
it is it is the most incredible thing to experience, and I know that we we both experience it when we've had when we've had those moments. Um, and so, if you can just stay tethered to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, and not take the bait of the familiar spirit that comes a knocking because your spouse has is now fallen into, as Leif Hetland would say, you're now in chair three. Um, so <laughs> you need to be in chair one <laughs> so that you can be covered in that grace. Um, and, and when you're, and because you're not provoking and making things worse, that reconnection happens so quickly because the Lord's so faithful to do the convicting. The Lord is so faithful to step in and do what needs to be done. You don't have to do anything, but just stay connected. Does that make sense? Okay. So as we grow together, as we grow in the kingdom, as we seek the Father together and our union becomes stronger, our bond becomes stronger, there are things that we all know of as soul ties. So our soul tie gets stronger as we grow in the kingdom, as we grow in the Holy Spirit. Our soul tie gets stronger. Our bond gets stronger. We, and, and there's something, as, you, as you, that happens, I'm just, we're just going to talk about this briefly, but it, there's something that can happen that may happen and that you might, as you... As you as married couples grow in the kingdom and in this paradigm, you might experience this in the near future, is what I call a feedback loop. And this is how it works. Our, we're bonded. Our, our soul tie is strengthened because of, of our walk in Christ, because of our, our we've relinquished. Our one flesh union is is how we walk out, and that's part of our identity. So I start perceiving and, and start um, discerning things that she's struggling with or feelings that she has in a, in a moment or whatever that might be, a frustration or an irritation or an anger or something. I start perceiving that even though maybe she's not directing it specifically towards me. But I start feeling that. And now I'm starting to project it back to her. She's projecting it towards me, and now I'm, I'm projecting it back to her. And she's now sensing the, the anger or frustration or, or whatever that I'm projecting back to her. She's feeling that, and now she's starting to project it back to me. So it's just like continually feeds back. It's a feedback loop. I don't know if you know anything about sound, but if you send a frequency from a microphone to a speaker, and that speaker goes back to the microphone, and then that microphone goes back to the speaker, it intensifies, and that's when you get that really high-pitched, you know, scream that we call it the sound, the sound tech solo, that high pitched scream that everybody hears. That's a feedback loop because it becomes infinitely expanded. So that's something that we have to recognize that there's this soul tie. And as we feed off of each other, it can grow into something that it doesn't need to be. We can recognize, hey, this isn't I'm just feeding off of something that maybe is not directed towards me. I'm just feeling, we're feeling the same things, but we're looping back on each other. So it's really just about recognizing that feedback loop and, and being able to squash it. That's what happens when you get feedback in a sound system. You have to 
close that, that frequency. You have to find that frequency that keeps looping and you have to turn it off. So you have to make a conscious decision. This is not going to happen. I'm not going to continue to project this back to her. And once it stops, then everything gets quiet again. But it's a decision you have to make. And it, you might not feel like it's your decision, it should be hers, or you might feel like, you know, I'm right and I should, and these feelings are right. That's a foothold of the enemy, for one thing. Justification, feeling justified in anything that's not edifying or encouraging is a foothold from the enemy. But you have to make that decision to stop that loop. Yeah, and in the world, um, especially, especially, I mean, just before Jesus, that's actually very addicting. That's very addicting behavior. That is the feedback loop is, to me, the quiz, the quiz, what's the word? Quiz essential? Quintessential. Quintessential, um, like definition of unhealthy relationships. They're always, they're either up or they're down, up or they're down, and they feed off of each other, and they're warring, and then they'll have their little moments of peace, but it becomes addicting behavior, especially if you've grown up in um, very unhealthy families. That's your normal. That's your familiar spirit. That's what's normal to you. So when you're in the kingdom, you need to recognize, it's Romans 6, 7, 8, your flesh is actually used to that feedback loop. She's talking about Romans chapter six, chapter seven, seven chapter, chapter eight. eight. There's yes. a lot of meat Sorry. in that when she says that. She but, says it regularly, but, but there's a lot of there, process yes. in that. So your flesh is used to that feedback loop. You, that's normal, that's familiar, that's comfortable because you actually know how to navigate that. You know how to navigate those highs and those lows. What you don't know how to navigate is when it's even. So in the kingdom, it takes time for your old man to be transformed to where you can walk in what is steady Eddie, so that you can walk in the peace that comes from Jesus. So if you find yourself or you find you know, family members or friends that are exhibiting that behavior, they haven't recognized that yes, it's a choice. You have to choose to stop feeding the feedback loop. And it's uncomfortable at first. It feels unfamiliar. And the enemy is going to come and knock in. Your flesh is going to want you to do what's familiar. But you have to learn how to submit to the power of the Lord and not yield and submit to your flesh with what's familiar. And that just takes time. But as you make those conscious efforts to do it more and more each time, you do end up breaking free from it. And we could go into soul ties with prayer ministry and all that, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into that. The other thing the Holy Spirit was highlighting though too was in those feedback loops, once you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and whatever gifting the Lord has given you that you were born with is now empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, like the feeler gift, 
which Daniel and I both have, so it makes it even more fun when you're trying to figure out... Why are we so angry with each other? Why <laughs> is this feedback loop so loud? And what's going on? I can feel him before he even walks in the door. I know what kind of day he's had. I know where he's at. And sometimes it's like, oh, I've had an awesome day. And all of a sudden, I can feel the gloomy cloud that's fixing to walk in the door. And I'm like, oh, no. So it has been, that's a whole nother landscape that you have to learn to navigate as a couple. Once your giftings have now been empowered by the Holy Spirit, one, you need to get familiar with the giftings. You need to understand what giftings your spouse has, what giftings you have, so that you know how to navigate this, these landscapes. And so you can go, okay, that's my discernment, that's my feeler gift, all right, and also, is it the environment or is it your spouse? It's really, it's easy when you're at home and it's just, you know, the two of you, but if you're going someplace and you all of a sudden feel something in the atmosphere but you didn't feel it when you were in the car with your spouse, well then you know it's the atmosphere and it's not your spouse. But that takes time, it's a muscle that you have to exercise so it gets stronger and then you don't have to think about it so much, it just becomes more automatic. And then you can pray as a couple against that whatever spirit is operating in that atmosphere. We intercede all the time. We didn't even know that we were intercessors. We just thought everybody that entered into the kingdom of God and got baptized in the Holy Spirit behaved this way. Like we're constantly pulling down strongholds <laughs> and casting out spirits that don't belong in certain places. Like that's just been natural for us from the beginning. Um, now we know it as, yes, it's intercession. So in um, the Lord, anyway, so yeah. So, and it's really fun to grow in those giftings as a couple and also because it's unfamiliar and you know you're navigating that landscape it's just like hey babe I I got I need to talk to you I got to figure out what's going on like I feel like I'm going nuts so communication 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 to be transparent to be vulnerable um, and to have the trust in the relationship to where like when we were learning to navigate this, like I feel that you're this way and to be able to have that. Um, yeah, it just that communication and that trust is really important. Um, speaking of trust, so, <laughs> and in that, sometimes offense will come. You know, that's just a part of marriage. Offense is going to come, especially when you're asking questions. Um, why are you doing what you're doing? What's going on? Offense will come, but be quick to forgive and get over it and don't hold it against each other. Amen. Yeah, so, all right. Another thing to remember when you do get into these um, feedback loops is to stop and pray. Yeah. Because there were times when before we were really seeking after the kingdom, we would get into these situations where we would just continually be just building and building each other into this violent, you know, whirlwind of, 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 of uh, misunderstanding and offense and, and, and lots of offense. And the only thing we could do, the only thing that I could think of was to stop and pray. And, be, and there was only a couple of times when I really felt like that was the only thing that saved us in those moments. Like if we hadn't stopped and prayed in that moment, 
and turned our attention away from each other to him, that things would have turned out completely different. Yeah, that's um, that's another tool that we have in our toolbox because this is all about. You got to be a praying couple. Yeah. You got to be a praying couple. You need to be praying, and I don't mean just verbally out loud together. I mean you need to be always talking to God, always, 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 always be praying, but especially with your marriage, and that will evolve as you mature in Christ, as more of your old man dies and your new man is living, that landscape matures, it grows. And at first, it might feel unfamiliar. We've got some friends, you know, one doesn't like to pray, but alone. And it's like, no, you need to be praying as a couple. Like that is so important. So it might feel uncomfortable or weird, um, but that's something that you have to do. And then that ends up growing and evolving. Um, So yeah, prayer and marriage, like that's the first, that's, yeah, that should just be first. So we're running short on time. We are. We got finances and boundaries. Let's just talk about the boundaries that we talked about earlier. Um, boundaries that I set are not for myself, but they are for her. I don't set boundaries to protect myself. I set boundaries to protect our relationship, our marriage, and to protect her. Because if I, just for instance, I mean, this has to do with relationships with other people, this has to do with social media, this has to do with, there's all kinds of coworkers, there's all kinds of traps the enemy could set. Now, I am not subjected to a spirit of lust, it's not something that I struggle with, but I put boundaries up because I know that's a foothold the enemy could take. There are things, I don't struggle with alcoholism, but I know that if I get involved in certain things that there's a foothold that the enemy could take and there's no value in that. So anything that doesn't have value to my marriage, it doesn't have value to my my uh, communion with the Father, things that don't have value, I protect myself and my marriage from. So just as a for instance, I mean, I just, I don't want, it's a, okay, I don't want, to give a reason for her to feel jealous. Because that's something that the flesh in the world promotes, and it's something that we're, we fight against as humans, as people in the flesh, we fight against those, we fight against jealousy. That's something that we fight against, it's a struggle. But I don't want her to have to struggle with that. It's not that I try to justify, or I feel like, oh, it's fine, I don't have a problem with that. I can, I can, ha- I can have this relationship as a platonic relationship with this female or conversation or whatever. No, I don't want to give place for the enemy. I don't want to create something that might be difficult for her to deal with. That's my concern. So in that... It's also I, very foolish. I take safeguards. I mean, there's certain things that I don't do, and I don't... I don't want to put myself in a room alone with another with a woman by myself. I don't want to. I don't have, you know, individual texts. Like I don't continually communicate with another woman for, you know, friendship purposes or whatever. I just I I put boundaries up to protect my marriage. It's not because I need boundaries, but my marriage should have boundaries because she is more important to me. And I'm trying to protect her. 
So that's, my, that's, that's, what my, that's where my driving force is. Well, and we're living a, we live in a sexual world. We live, that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother year long thing. Um, so well, it's everywhere. we live everywhere. in a world that is leaning towards this atheistic philosophy. And that's a struggle that the world has. And what is the leading purpose of an atheistic philosophy? It's specifically sexual accountability. They, people didn't want to be accountable, so they decided, well, if I just get rid of God, then I don't have to be accountable. So that's part of the developing culture. So we're all subject to it. We're all surrounded by it. Which is a sexualized culture for sure. Um, and yeah, so just the boundaries. So, okay, in, in the world, there are no boundaries, um, or, or they're very minimal. Um, and it's kind uh, yeah, of. Yeah, because I should be able to have relationships with whoever I want because I'm not, or, I'm not sleeping with them. What as long as I'm to going her? to the bar with my husband, as long as I'm watching this movie with my husband, it's okay. So, what does that look like in the kingdom? Everybody's different. So sin, we all have a blanket idea of what sin is from the Ten Commandments, right? But in the New Testament, it says that sin, it's really an individualized plan with the Lord. Sin is when you know you have done something wrong. So what's Or when you do something not knowing that it's right. Yes. So everybody's going to be different on what they can and cannot do apart from the black and white. Um, but there are some people that can drink. I can never do that ever, ever, ever again. He sovereignly delivered me of alcoholism. I know that I am not ever called to drink alcohol. I know that I can't smoke cigarettes. I know that I can't really watch anything over PG-13 because I was in the world my whole life and I never, ever, ever watched what I watched. There was no filter on what I watched. So I'm in the process of the undoing and the renewing. So we are extremely careful. We are in a purification and a sanctification process. And that's going to look different for everybody. So those boundaries, I was a hair and makeup artist for 10 years and I only cut a couple of men's hair because everybody else, I didn't know it at the time, but because I had the feeler gift, I knew that there was sexual lust and perversion that was going on and they would text me individually and say that they missed my beautiful face and things like that. And I finally got to a point where I didn't want to cut anybody's hair. And I had a brother in Christ the other day, I went and I gave him a hug and I gave him a real hug. And he was like, man, you gave me a real hug, not one of those those weird, um, what did he say? Like something like, you know, Christian woman hugs. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, they do this. And I said, yeah, we have to do that sometimes. I said, I give that kind of hug all the time. And he said, why? I said, because I know what's going on. And I have to use wisdom in that. I can't go up to just any man and give him a full-on hug if he's struggling with certain things. That's not appropriate. That's putting, and that's protecting him. That's giving preference to him. I know that I'm not going to go to the beach and wear in a stinking bikini when I know that I'm surrounded by a bunch of men that are struggling with things. Like There are certain boundaries that you need to put around your marriage, and what you watch is a 
big one because it lets, it gets in your home. It gets in your home. We already know that pornography, like I don't even want to go on that, but anyway. So yes, boundaries are super important, um, especially on social media, um, coworkers, all of that. It's so, so, so important to just protect your marriage and put those safeguards up so that the enemy doesn't have way. The scripture is Ephesians 4, verse 27, but you got to read it with 25, 26, 27. So imagine just you and your spouse, therefore, each of you must put um, off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give a, the devil a foothold. So just have that as your, as your, yeah, have that scripture for your marriage. Like, let's not let him in. He's, we know he's prowling around. So it's we, not worth it. It's really not. It's not. So I just want to encourage you. Whether it's right or wrong, you. it's not worth that purchase. You might be giving the enemy. Yeah. Um, and, oh, so, yeah. Um, literally, 14 years ago, if you would have said that we would be up here doing this, I would be like, you've lost your mind. Um, just six years ago today. Six years ago today. On 420, we walked in we that walked door. We walked in this door for the first time. Today is our six-year anniversary at Global River Church. Six years ago today, we were broken free from um, addiction to marijuana. In this, right, right there. Yeah, yeah. He'd already we found our our new home, our new family. He's amazing, yeah. and that's so. Daniel and I are we've we've our landscape has looked wild and crazy and it started in the world and it is now thank you jesus grounded and rooted in the kingdom but we're only where we're at because of our individual seeking and surrendering of the lord every single day and then from that individual seeking and surrendering and yielding then we started doing it together as a couple as well as individually and that's that is the way for every marriage to be transformed and to be brought into the fullness of the kingdom and not just marriage but every relationship your relationships will be healed as you seek the Lord and ask the Lord, how do I need to change so that I can be who I need to be for this person in the place that they're at? But um, So next week we're going to talk about, we're going to merge, we had still some a few things about marriage, uh, mostly finance and how to work through that in the kingdom, but we're going to go ahead and blend that into next week's, which is going to be business, marketplace, and finance. Yeah. And I, I want to pray over everybody. Um, it felt like a little bit heavier in here tonight. We just had to touch on on some other things. Um, we're just following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So just have faith that everybody that heard um, received. Oh, but on a funny note, so when we taught last time, I had a word of, um, I, ha I had a word from the Lord, actually gave me a dream, a prophetic word for somebody that needed an EKG and, um, and a physical and that the Lord would be your peace and your strength. And we get home and Daniel goes, so that word was for me. <laughs> And I was like, what? she didn't know, but I had just reached out because I have a CDL, Class A CDL, 
combination license and I was like, oh man, I feel like I should get a physical. I wonder when my physical is up for my CDL because then I could feel like I'm just doing it for my license. I'm not doing it for myself, right? Trying to save face or whatever. But he had like a high blood pressure but thing. I, saw it, I had to, I sent in a request for information. They told me oh, I'm good for another year. And then right after I sent that request, she's like, ah, somebody in here needs to get a physical. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't, yeah, and so, because he was having some worries, so, and I just thought, Lord, you're so fun. Like, I wasn't at home. I was with my mom in Raleigh, and I drove straight in for us to teach, so I hadn't been with him, but the Lord gave me a dream with a word of knowledge for somebody to hear and a scripture to know that he was going to be okay, not knowing this guy had been struggling with some stuff and worry had, had creeped in, um, so that's just how fun our God is. He's amazing, and that's how fun it is having kingdom marriage. Um, Anyway, I just want to, I want to pray, but before I do, I just want to thank you guys so much for the grace and the honor um, of, of listening to us <laughs> um, and just being able to receive what the Holy Spirit has for you through us. It's, it's like Daniel said, it's not us teaching. We're leaning in and we're asking Holy Spirit, what do we need to do? What do we need to bring? Um, and so this is 100% from the Lord. And so and, I, and as you receive in faith, he's going to deposit into each one of you what it is that you need to take away from this. Um, so I just thank you for that, Lord. And I would love it for you to pray over all of the marriages that are in here and that will hear this. Um, you want to pray a blessing over them? Yes, Lord. We come to you right now um, knowing that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you... Uh, hear our prayers and know our heart's desire, and you are a faithful father and a loving father. So we ask you now to bless the marriages here. And for yes, anyone Lord. who hears this message or is seeking wisdom or understanding in their own lives, give them the words, the wisdom, the scripture, the truth that they need uh, right now to move forward in love, to move forward in strength, in leadership, in, in their marriage, so that they can uh, grow and be, be, be unified and be strengthened together. We just pray a blessing over all the marriages here. Um, Lord, you've given us a great tool bag with Holy Spirit, with uh, your word of truth, with, with, with communion with you, with words of knowledge, wisdom, understanding, discernment, all these things you've given us so that we can grow um, in our own character, in our own identity, and as, as this one flesh union, we can grow together uh, into who we are called to be. You asked you, you, you ask us husbands to love our wives like you love the church, so we just yes. pray courage. Yes and strength and um, just oh, the five um, uh, the five mandates um, um, just do all things in love um, in Jesus name over the men and then uh, the women in here yeah so Lord I just thank you for my sisters that are in here to receive this now and the ones that are going to receive it later and mm, I just pray, Lord, I pray for them to learn that submission is beautiful and it is a blessing and that you cover them. I thank you that as we grow in our love of our husbands and the trusting of our husbands, it actually allows us to trust you more. And there is the, the Lord, 
sometimes, yeah. So Lord, I just pray for them to trust you, to trust you, for them to feel the covering of you. I pray for every marriage to be hungry and thirsty for more of you, for more of your righteousness. I pray for them to hunger and thirst for purification and sanctification individually and in their marriage, Lord. I pray for them to want to seek after the fullness of the Holy Spirit over and over. There's always more, Lord. I pray for them to invite Holy Spirit into every aspect of their marriage, especially those intimate moments, Lord. I pray for them to seek you together as a couple. I pray for their prayer life to come alive, Lord, and to be on fire, Lord. I pray for them to seek after every part of you individually and as a couple so that their children's landscape will also be changed, that they can be representatives to their children of what a godly couple looks like, Lord. And I just pray just a fiery passion over all of the marriages, Lord. I pray for their love to increase, their passion to increase, their likeness of one another to increase, Lord. I pray for them to want, yeah, I just thank you, Lord, for their connection, Lord. And I just pray that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And I just pray protection over their minds, Lord, protection over their minds for them to want to step into more of the renewing, more of the the transformation, Lord, and for them to want to let go of past thinkings, let go of the thinkings of the old man. So we just thank you, Lord, for transformation, transformation of thinking, Lord, transformation in their marriages, and that they get to be a beacon of light for those around them, Lord, that they get to counsel those around them because their marriage is so healthy and strong. So we just thank you, Lord, that you are the God of restoration. In rest, you restore. And so I also just pray for them to have permission to rest in you and just a revelation of what kingdom restoration looks like. So we just thank you for this time. We pray and we just honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a good night.